What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 47 of the Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Robin. Alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, Joe. Hey, guys. So, for the first time, we went through 46 episodes without this happening. We had our first recording faux pas screw up ever in the history of our podcast. I, I, don't, know, well, I don't know it was the first time ever. <laughs> we we recorded episode one like four times. That's true, but that was intentional because we, we were trying to figure out how to record a podcast. Uh but we recorded, this is the second time we will be doing this podcast because we recorded a good, probably 40 minutes, 45 minutes, before we realized that we were not recording to the right mic, and we were recording from the laptop mic instead of our, you know, podcast mic. Right, so I probably like came out really good on it, but so. there's probably uh, muffled, <laughs> low-volume Robin in the background, so I... I'm sorry, guys. So, And by guys, I mean Robin, I'm sorry. Hopefully this podcast will be better as a result of it, but we're we're a little somber at the moment. We're going to be up a little bit later doing this podcast as a result, but that's okay. In this podcast, episode 47, we are going to talk about the Australian Open and preview that. Finally, we've been talking about it, I feel like, for two months, but we're finally going to get into it because... By the time we record next week's podcast, episode 48, it will have started. So yep. we're going to do our picks and go through who we think is going to win and talk about all the, the various uh, drama that's happened leading up to it. We are also going to talk about the PDGA. They made an announcement that they're going to increase payouts this year. So we're going to discuss that. We had um, the Steady Ed Masters Cup had a change in their title sponsor. DGA, the longtime sponsor of the event, uh, has been, we assume, outbid by Innova. And Innova will now be the sponsor of the Masters Cup. So we're going to touch touch base on that a little bit. We had a, a very interesting survey by InfiniteDisc.com, the State of Disc Golf 2017, that asked a lot of interesting questions that we're going to talk about some of the questions. We filled out the survey. We think you should, too. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing the results of that. So... We're going to talk about that. We also have another announcement by uh, the Disc Golf Pro Tour that the stroke and distance penalties that they had in place for the Ledgestone uh, Open, Ledgestone Insurance Open, this last year will no longer be in effect, which is great news for a lot of the, the pros that were kind of annoyed by... All the pros? All Yeah, basically everyone that felt it was a little too penalizing to, to have stroke and distance on, on all those holes with all that OB. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We have our disc and beer pairing, our world famous uh, disc and beer pairing, our deer review where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both and let you know whether you should bring them out on the course with you. Today we have the Discraft Challenger, a putter by, by Discraft. We have it in Jawbreaker plastic and we also are going to pair that with Hop Valley Brewing Company's Alpha Centauri, which is an Imperial IPA. So we have the Challenger, like the, the space shuttle, and then we have Alpha Centauri, which is like some sort of space thing. It's like a star, it's right? A, it's a star. It's a space thing? Yes. I, I, I would... I would uh, space? I would say stars are space. I'm, I'm fairly certain that the Challenger shuttle did not actually make it to said star, but, uh, you know, who knows? I don't think uh, any... I mean, there are people that think we didn't even actually go to the moon, so who knows what's real and what isn't. Oh, 
That's true, but I don't think that there's ever been a shuttle that's like, let's go to a star. I, I think that's accurate. I don't think it's been like, let's visit a star. <laughs> so the wheels are already coming off in, in <laughs> version two of, of episode 47. <laughs> but uh, let's get right into it. Get right to uh, our first topic, which I think should be the State of Disc Golf 2017 survey by InfiniteDisc.com, which was... I'll be honest, a very long survey. It was, but it was a it lot took, of like things that really made you think. It, yeah, it did, and that was part of it. It there were a lot of questions that asked you, you know, how old you were, when the first time you played, how many discs you own, things like that that you don't think about on a daily basis until you sit down and and fill out a survey like this, and and certain questions that, you know, I, it was like, how much did you spend on disc golf in in 2016? And I'm like, oh God. Do I really have to like think about that and and honestly put down? That's oh man, I spent way too much money on disc golf. <laughs> and and then you mentioned it before the the baskets. It asked like, what's your favorite basket right? and and how many you played on. And all I realized was that I've only played on a few different types of baskets in the courses that I normally play at. There was like seven or eight baskets right? on that list that I have little to no experience with, and. It, it's just the courses that I play at pretty much have DGA uh, baskets or or di- Innova Disc Catcher baskets, and then I've played on uh, a couple other courses that that had a few of them. But basically, DGA or, or Disc Catchers. That's yeah, basically like Mach fives uh, or Mach, Mach X's X. or disc, disc catchers. That's basically it. And I've played on other baskets, but on the courses. That's really it. Yeah. And some of these other ones that just came out recently, like the Dynamic Disc Veteran, I've seen a lot of great things about it, but I've never actually thrown a disc into a veteran basket. No. I, I Not only that, I've, I've never seen in my like real life a, a veteran basket. Yeah. So, and hopefully someday I will. They look great. A really nice kind of sleek yeah, design no, I'm, of the basket. Yeah, I'm into that. Um, yeah, no. It'll happen. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I hope so. I'd, I'd really like to. And then, you know, I've got practice baskets and, and things like that. And But a couple other things that I just wasn't expecting to, to see on there. And, and um, So, quick question. Uh, so, one asked, like, how many discs do you, do you own? What did you put? Uh, I think I put down 200, 250, something like that. Yeah. I, I went there, too. And part of that, and we, we talked about it earlier in a recording <laughs> that you will never hear. I tend to kind of think of Robin's discs and my disc as one and the same. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. Yeah, I I I was I was thinking purely mine, but I I could have been way I was just purely guessing. And same with the amount of money I spent on disc golf. I it was a guess. I didn't go back and look at how much I've spent. I just, no no I just no guessed. no totally. And I know that number. Is inflated by this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. And uh, probably, and I, I, I thought about making a joke about it, like that. That that was the first time I'd been honest about how much money I'd I'd spent on disc golf with with anybody or anything. But I honestly didn't look up exactly how much I spent on I disc golf. Don't, I don't. So I, I just guessed. Know. It, it could be a lot worse. I could have been like, ah, you know, I. Man, I spent 500 bucks, you know, and maybe it was a lot more than that. Yeah. Well, 
You bought some baskets? Oh, or a basket? Oh, I totally forgot about the basket. All right, so I even lied to Infinitus. Crap. It's, it's all right. Everyone knows now Rob's if, a liar. If you count like shoes and and uh, clothing and and things like that that I've purchased specifically for for playing disc golf, it, it could and you know gas driving to courses and and park membership fees and and all that sort of stuff. It adds up quick. I mean, it's a it's, it is a, a disc golf's an extremely accessible hobby and can be played very cheaply but then you go all the way down the rabbit hole and suddenly you have disc golf shoes and and disc golf shorts and disc golf shirts and a disc golf bag and disc golf discs honestly aside from like some dress shoes here and there for work pretty much the only shoes that i buy are for disc golf yeah i mean i wear them day to day usually they're my my regular shoes but i buy them with disc golf in Mm. mind yeah So. so Yeah, but it's a super cool survey. Uh, It may or may not, and by may or may not, I mean it does ask about podcasts. And uh, we are listed on there, the Disc Golf Podcast on there. So we would encourage you to go on there and check that little box that says you listen to us. Yeah, well, if you're listening to this right now, you should 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 be honest. Check that box, yeah. So there's like some other podcasts. I don't I don't know of them. Uh, I didn't know there was any other disc golf podcasts. Yeah, and by that I mean I definitely knew and and listened to a few I, of them. I checked a few a lot of boxes on that one because I've I've listened to most of the disc golf podcasts that are out there to to some degree. Maybe not every single episode, but but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I've listened to every close to every single one of them at least an episode. Yeah, me too. And um, uh, and I'll tell you right now, we're the best one. I- <laughs> And uh, they also, you can get prizes by doing it. So there is a, a chance to win disc golf gear. They've given out bags in the past and, and discs and, and things like that to, to people that fill out the survey. So there is incentive. I would encourage you to go to InfiniteDisc.com and check it out. Yeah. No, and it's, and if you haven't been to Infinite Discs in the first place, you're, you're missing out. Because yeah. great prices, they ship incredibly fast. Yeah. They sponsored us at one point. For a while, they don't currently, but hopefully they will again. But they're awesome. Yeah, they they're a great company, and it was kind of a neat little bit of self reflection for five minutes or however long it took to actually right. fill it fill it out to to actually think about those things rather than stuff that you just doesn't occur to you on a regular basis, and then you realize how how much disc golf is your life. Yeah, listen, it was pretty cool to check the box that says, like, you get some discs for free. Like, <laughs> yeah. that was that was pretty neat. I was yeah. like, I got some free stuff. Yeah, so uh, definitely check it out. Um, next thing I'd like to talk about is the PDGA, another kind of awesome topic, another kind of great announcement uh, from disc golf here early in the year. They announced that the national tour payouts are going to increase by 350%. So they are going to now the 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 national tour events first place for the in in uh, MPO divisions the the men's open divisions will be ten thousand dollars for each of the MPO events and they upped the FPO as well and um, so ten thousand for first place for MPO and then for the the women's open. The FPO division, uh, it's five thousand for first place, and respectively, you know, 
first place, second place for for the MPO is five grand, and three grand for third place, and two grand for fourth place, and so all just in general more money to these tournaments. Right, and it's which, gonna get more players out, and and like Robin said, the FPO went up too, which is amazing. Uh, we talked about it last week. Getting more women on the course is amazing. Uh, growing this sport, and I think. You know, it's 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 a huge move. Mm-hmm. We want more players out in general. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it, it it's just a, a great sign for the sport. And one of the best parts about the post that they put up there is that it can still go up. They're saying as of now, this is the minimum that it will be. That each one of these national tour events, there's been thirty five thousand dollars allotted to them in in player prize money. So um, and the I think the first the first NT for or uh, is the gentlemen's club in Las Vegas, and they're saying by that point maybe these numbers will go up. So that's that's even even better news. Just really more prize money means that more players can tour and it'll be more viable. We'll get to see more talent and and not seeing you know certain players skipping out on certain events cuz they couldn't afford it or because it didn't make sense for them now you've got that $10,000 prize that's that's sitting there and i mean that could make your your season right but it but it goes like down in accordance mm-hmm. so like cashing in general you know even if you're in 10th place mm-hmm. it's still going to help keep your tour alive yeah. and keep you rolling which is awesome it's yeah. amazing for the sport and and like Robin said that's a sign that the growth is happening mm-hmm. and, you know, coming up all roses. Yeah. So we'll be looking forward once that gentleman's club in, in Las Vegas goes down to see if those numbers do indeed go up uh, by any amount. But that, that's terrific. I mean, hopefully it means that, that we get to see more European players that mm-hmm. are able to travel now because of that increased purse, that that increased chance that they could cash. Maybe KJ Naibo tours yeah. more regularly than he already does. Maybe more international in general. Yeah. Um, I know uh, when we get to it, we'll talk about the Aussie Open, but there's at least one Japanese player that there is, is, yeah. is legit and doing work, and that's going to make him uh, have the ability to get out to, to bigger touring events that would be great i mean that's that's ultimately the goal we want to see the best of the best at every one of these these national tour events and putting the money up there's the that's the that's how you do it. ideal way to to get make sure you get all of the best players right there. And, and i think that's the number one reason that someone doesn't tour or whatever is because they don't think they can recoup their costs yeah and it has to also increase the level of competition you're going out there and you know that there's that much money on the line you're going to see people playing their hearts out to, to get that paycheck. Right, or more people. I think the top tier have been kind of doing that, but yeah. it's now going to bring those out that, uh, you know, maybe in their, their local tournaments are, are crushing it, but getting them out of their kind of area mm-hmm. has kept them away. I mean, if you look at, like, Johnny McRae, you know, until a couple of years ago, he was kind of Florida only. He mm-hmm. kind of stayed local and just did his, his thing. Because there wasn't enough cash for him to kind of justify going out and and doing the big tour events. And, you know, he was playing a level where he thought, you know what, kids are in college, let's do it, let's go. You know, if this was there five years ago, you know, he might have gone before he's now Masters eligible. And that's awesome. 
Yeah. And the uh, the two main sponsors that are listed as as the kind of the major uh, participants and the reasons why this are uh, why the increase as is Zuka the disc golf carts. Um, they make those rolling carts that that uh, basically house your bag. So you could you don't have to carry it on your back. You can roll it along, and uh, we've been looking looking to check those out too. Yeah, hopefully yeah, we'll de- get to I definitely review watch one of those. Um, and then DGA is also the one of the the major sponsors. And I mentioned that because the next piece of news that we wanted to talk about the Steady Ed Masters Cup that is at De La Viega uh, every year has changed title sponsors. And I think one of the reasons that this may have happened is because DGA devoted more of their resources to the overall national tour rather than specifically the Masters Cup. Right. So the the Masters Cup has gone from being sponsored by DGA to Innova. And with that, DGA uh, that was founded by, by Steady Ed, the, the, the father of disc golf, um, has said that that name, Steady Ed, will no longer be associated with the Masters Cup as a result of this. Right. In their statement. Right. So, and, that, and I mean, that could be forever. Yeah. That could be for a few years until they kind of roll back. I mean, I mean, when you take that name away, maybe it's gone forever. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great memories that I think come with that. So it's kind of tough to, to lose that name to the mm-hmm. tournament. But at the same time, they, I think, made a calculated decision mm-hmm. that being a bigger part of the PDGA and, and the NT Tour makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it also means it's growing. You yeah. know, um, if you look at professional sports in general, there have been lots of titles that have been given to mm-hmm. coliseums and whatnot. Yeah. Because you have like the Energy Solutions Arena and stuff like that. You're like, okay, right, <laughs> right, right. So this is like in a much smaller realm, but it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. Like, who knows? There might be times where courses get big revamps and they're upkept and things like that by by larger companies. Yeah, it's possible. And for uh, those of you that aren't familiar with Steady Ed, Steady Ed is is known as the inventor of disc golf. He uh, was a kind of original um i don't know if it was an owner or if he was just a, a a high high level employee of whammo the the frisbee company yeah um early on and and was it kind of patented the first disc golf uh object type pole like the the bells and things like that oh good old bells. yeah <laughs> for for object that's course. what i started playing disc golf on yeah um so he's a a major figure in in the development of of the sport and um, also founded DGA, so it very much a part of their company, and, that's, and that makes big sense. That's why, why the name name has gone gone with it. So it's it's a little bit sad that we don't have the the Steady Ed Masters Cup, but I don't think it's going to affect the event itself in in any way, shape, or form. We're still going to have a a terrific event with all the top players, and you know, Innova certainly is capable of. Of sponsoring that event to a, to a level, probably the reason why it changed is because Innova offered more money. Yeah, well, so. yeah, totally. It's it is um, it's a bummer, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it's it means we're moving the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
one thing that that came to mind in a, in a couple of different with these last two topics we talked about the the survey that was asking us questions about how we started playing disc golf and then uh this one where the the name of the tournament changed was the movie basketball i've seen that movie yeah <laughs> one a really awesome comedy of matt stone and, and trey parker uh the the south park guys where they invented a game called basketball that was a combination of baseball and football basically they did it because they wanted to drink beer and throw a basketball at a basketball hoop. Do you think Steady Ed uh, drank beer? <laughs> I would assume so. I would hope so. We know Dave Donapace does. That's true. <laughs> that's uh, that's very true. But in in all these the questions about about disc golf and how you started playing, I couldn't help but think that literally I started playing disc golf when I was you know just starting in college because somebody was like, hey, you know, it, you there's this place. It's in the park. And you go out there and you throw frisbees and you can drink beer and it's going to be a great time and it's it's going to be awesome. Like come out there. And I'm like that sounds amazing, right? Like and the I more can... you talk about, I don't even, I don't remember whose idea or what it was, but that was 100. percent It was like a Sunday, like a hangover Sunday, and someone's like, "Hey, we just fill up a backpack full of beer, and we go like throw stuff at stuff." And you like drink the beers while you do that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be so good for my hangover. <laughs> Let's roll. Well, like a part of the cool, like the the survey uh, or the state of disc golf was when were you introduced to disc golf? Uh-huh. And then the next question was, when did you start playing disc golf? And for me, it was two different timelines. Yeah. Two very, very different. Right. And the first one was like, hey, let's go drink beer. And then the next one was like, let's go drink beer, but also you can get good at this and have fun and get into it and challenge yourself and be competitive without, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it not necessarily being like a team sport or getting like over the top competitive. Not that I wasn't over the top competitive yeah. for a while when we, when I really started playing disc golf, but it, it was amazing in my mind that like distinction between introduction mm-hmm. and playing because they they were so different for me. And I think for a lot of people that probably is how it works. And mm-hmm. I think for me when I introduce people to disc golf, it's totally that same introductory like, hey, we're going to go drink beer and we can throw It'll be stuff. Fine and yeah. And and the cool thing is <clears throat> when we used to go out when I first was in college with you as well, there wasn't anyone in our group that was like actually good at disc right, golf. Right. That was like head and shoulders above or anything like that. But now bringing people out, they see like what's where you possible. can get what's possible, and we're like on the lower tier of what's yeah. possible. Yeah. And I think for <laughs> us, a big part too was you, like living in Sacramento and living in San, San Francisco. Francisco, and actually playing with people who mm-hmm. were awesome and showing that you know you could actually get a disc this far and mm-hmm. disc could fly. With these different paths and and whatnot. I mm-hmm. mean, when we first started playing, I was, I was that dude who had like one disc, and was like stoked on my one disc. A Franklin disc, by the no, way. No, no, no. When we first went out, I very much remember uh, my disc for a long time was an Archangel. Okay. I threw like a DX Archangel, and it was like tomahawk every hole. This back when my shoulder was okay and. And whatnot. Not that that really made anything good, but I think I'm pretty positive I threw overhand like tomahawks pretty much every hole, 
every time. And it wasn't until years later that <laughs> I saw that, you know, throwing backhand and forehand could make a big difference <laughs> and get you a lot more distance, you know, depending on who you are. If you're, uh, you know, some of those top tier guys that can throw like 500 on a tomahawk or a thumber, that's, that's a whole different world. I still, yeah. uh, it's hard for me to believe that's possible, but I've seen it. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing um, how much this sport has changed mm-hmm. and how much we're all getting into it and, and more people get into it and how much easier it is to see mm-hmm. people be able to excel and, and throw, um, you know, for big distance. Because I think, yeah. I, I don't remember being at the course when we first started and seeing anyone on the course really be able to throw. I do. I, I totally do. I mean, I remember being like, oh, you can you can get all the way yeah. there, like in a throw? Wow. Yeah. Well, and, and the back to, to the the reason why I brought up basketball was that what reminded me of it was the, the sport growing. And basketball, is it's a comedy, and they're making a parody of modern pro sports and things like that, and teams changing names and and uh, and moving cities and and they have this the jazz whole... moved to Utah where there's no music yeah they have this whole montage in the beginning about teams moving around and and uh, arenas being named after title sponsors that have nothing to do with the sport and things like that it it it's not an exact sort of thing but it just kind of reminded me of of a of a terrific idea a sport that has like a a, a core mentality philosophy and growing into something bigger and and we've disc golf has grown steadily for for a long time and i think we're seeing a lot more growth now and uh it it's a it's it's good to see and i i think part of the the growth it, we we've had a ton of social media presence and videos it's a lot easier like when we st- first started playing disc golf you couldn't go find a form video you had to hunt for that sort of stuff on on how to improve your form or how driving technique, and now it's just a click away, you know. Totally. Just, just googling that and being able to have Will Schusterick tell you how to drive for distance, or Nate Sexton tell you how to how to improve your distance and the exact breakdown of of your form and and things like that. So it, we're seeing all that, and I I think that's a a really kind of terrific element, and I don't think that the the steady ed name coming off of the master's cup and and it going to innova is a bad thing it's just kind of a a notable uh thing dga is not going away they're right. a huge sponsor just, of the national a, it's, tour it's a sign of the times yeah is what it is it's 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 uh showing exactly what we're both saying it's it's growing and that's proof that it's growing mm-hmm. it's terrific uh, another another speaking of growth uh, sometimes growth is admitting that you were wrong and making a change in in what you're doing for the better. And Yes, I know I didn't put the right microphone on when we started recording. Calm down, sugar. I wasn't talking about that. I don't like it when you call me sugar. <laughs> but the Disc Golf Pro Tour announced this week that they were going to remove the stroke and distance policy penalty that they had in the Ledgestone Insurance Open it, last year. Um, and basically this was something that, that a lot of people were kind of ticked off about and felt was over penalizing the players. If you're not, uh, familiar with stroke and distance, stroke and distance is, 
a, a rule in, in disc golf that allows you, really at any point, you can opt to rethrow from your previous lie uh, with a stroke penalty. And it, if you literally just didn't like your shot and felt you were going to have a, a better shot by rethrowing and taking the penalty, you can do that at, at any point in your game. Now, the Disc Golf Pro Tour had mandatory stroke and distance right. on OB throws on a lot of their courses. And this is on a course that was littered with OB and lakes and fences hazard, and all sorts all of kinds news. of stuff. And what it did was you would have this long 400-foot throw that went across OB and had to land in bounds. And if it didn't stay in bounds, you had to rethrow from your previous spot and take the stroke penalty. Right. So how OB works if, if out of bounds. If you don't know, right. How out of bounds works, you take it from where it went out of bounds. So Normally. If, normally, right. But yes. I just want to point that out. So if you land in bounds and you <clears throat> skip out, you take it where it went out. Yeah, right? normally. So you this could... is basically if you got it in bounds and you uh, I'm losing my words right now. And didn't stay in bounds. Right. Yeah. But basically you you set yourself inbounds like you you touch down mm -hmm. you go from there yeah. so granted you know any course you play if, if you never put yourself in bounds like if you throw ob the entire yeah. time it never comes in cool that's that's how it works but like rob was saying it's basically you touch down in bounds you skip out yep doesn't mean anything yep you still have to go back to the same spot so they decided to eliminate that so that uh it it's more traditional play where you know it, Touching down in bounds, you could advance to that spot where it went out of bounds rather than having to go back to the previous spot, which I think is absolutely the right thing to do. There are a lot of holes out there that that we consider to be like island holes, right? Where where they have this same thing where you have to land on the island or you rethrow, and I think that's a fine little wrinkle in in the game to have one of those holes totally on on a particular course to put some interest, some drama into into the shot. You know, we've got the the plenty of holes that that uh, you know, like eight eight eight, where people are famous. Johnny McRae had one of the biggest meltdowns ever right uh, you know so did Waisaki and so did Waisaki um you know to because of holes like this they're just known for for killing scores where you all of a sudden you took a 10 right or a nine or something right. like that but because, then if you make a whole course like that <laughs> yeah so it I I think it's fine to have a few of those personally I'm not a huge fan of manufactured drama on our courses I, I don't like it when they put in a a triple mando that's a piece of you know wood or tunnel thing that they put in there just to add interest to a hole. I I think that the a good course has the terrain and the trees and the elevation to make a a course interesting, and that we don't need to add in these things mm -hmm. to to make the course more difficult. Um, I'm just not really a big fan of those. If if the hole requires a structure to be built. To make it make it interesting, I get it. I just don't want it to look like mini golf, you know, where we right. got like a windmill in the way. I know that's a that's a huge exaggeration, but but I, also I think a piece of it too is if you play like in very competitive tournaments, twenty courses a year, mm -hmm. and nineteen out of the twenty play a certain way, and you get to a new one that is similar in layout mm -hmm. to all of them. And has totally different rules. Yep. 
that's that's not a good look. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't make sense. You know, it makes you like want to take a forty on a hole, <laughs> just to let them know that was a bad decision. <laughs> Joe is referring to Jake Palmer, I believe. Oh, I'm so I'm still happy that you remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to so uh, peep behind the curtain. We recorded once already. We told you that, and I was blown away that Robin remembered that name previous. And I was trying to remember it now, even though 20 minutes ago, Robin told me the exact name and I forgot it. So if, if you're curious, you. Google Jake Palmer. Yeah, I'm. I haven't done it, but I'm certain the video of him intentionally taking a 40 on a hole to protest is the reason that they changed stroke and distance. I don't think so, but the, I really it hope did it's not. So it did happen. It it definitely did. On, uh, but he opted for stroke and distance and chose to putt over and over again at this hole and basically empty his bag out, drivers and all, at a hole and took a 40 on it. But I'll tell you right now, being able to opt for stroke and distance was a game changer for myself. Yeah. That was something. That was a rule that I did not realize when we first started playing disc mm-hmm. golf. Uh, when you do it on your own, when you want to do it, it definitely can, can help you out. It can. Especially if you're playing like De La Viega, where you know you can have a drive that's beautiful that gets on edge and rolls uh, hundreds of feet, 180 feet down a cliff in rugged tree terrain and like, poison oak. Right, I get it. Yeah, but when it's it's missing uh, an island 400 feet away, that's kind of bad news. I I 100% agree, and uh, yeah, definitely check out Jake Palmer. I don't think he's the reason they changed the rule. But it was a pretty funny little hissy fit. And if you want to see someone take a 40 on a hole, uh, which I'm sure you do. I mean, why not? And you probably, if, if you are a longtime listener, we brought this up before. Yeah. Not the best way to yeah to give him what for. Especially now. He got suspended. Especially now with, with the new payouts for NT. Yeah. <laughs> you can be pissed and still make some money. All right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. I don't advise that. There, I mean, I, I... There are better ways to make a point. But I, I'm, I'm glad that the, the Pro Tour, they should have done it last year. Uh, the PDGA actually unsanctioned that event as a result of it because they uh, felt that it was uh, going to adversely affect players' ratings. Oh, the, without a the doubt. PDGA ratings. And they did not want the PDGA ratings to be skewed as a result of one tournament giving people higher scores. And and it was gross. They I were mean, right. There, a, a lot of players had some really gross scores. Yep. Um, and I'm sure a lot of players were happy that the PDGA unsanctioned it so it didn't affect their rating. Right. Uh, so, and I'm glad that they, they heard that message from the PDGA. And we were on it that time too. We just, when the unsanctioning came through, we were like, you know, the PDGA, PDGA is but, right. But that, good. Like, on- this is... This is yeah. what it shouldn't be like that. Good on them for paying attention. I think, you know, I don't think they ever put that in as like, a, oh, we're going to screw these guys no. over. They, they wanted to had be harder. an experiment yeah. and it didn't work and you go forward. And uh, like in my line of work, we run pilots all the time. We start new things and want to see how it works. And it's okay to say, you know what? It didn't yeah. really work. And uh, speaking of that, uh, just a quick note to, to California. Maybe you should do the same thing with the uh, the two-meter rule. Uh, tournament directors of California uh, 
nobody cares. It's a stupid rule. Get rid it of is. it. It is. 100%. So, if you don't know the two meter rule is, if you, uh, if your lie ends up being up in a tree above two meters, which is like six feet, six inches around there. Pretty close. Yeah. You, it's a stroke penalty. It's a drop from, it's like, like throwing directly OB. down. It's, right. It's like throwing OB. Right. And we play in some courses that have ridiculous trees that if you touch a tree, you're probably not coming yeah. down. Oak trees that are just thick bushes, big giant thick bushes, then a disc is not coming down. So I I think that it's time for... for, uh, for so Rob and I uh, came to a decision months ago to stop playing the two-meter rule. It's still in all our tournaments. Any tournament we play has the two-meter rule in right. effect. You even hear TDs say like, well, it's California, so here it is. No, it doesn't have to be. Right? And I feel like it's mostly like, well, I guess it's all California, but pretty much Northern California is the only place where there's actually trees <laughs> that you have to worry about that happening yeah. in. Yeah. It's stupid. It just should not be like that. No. I, I don't... It's it's dirty. I don't like it. You're already bummed because now you have to like Fish throw your disc. rocks for days to get a disc down. Yeah. I, I mean, I've moved to the point, and you know this, Robin, that if I'm high enough in a tree... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just taking it, and I hope wind will knock it down and someone's going to call me. I, I don't want to spend my time and killing my arm throwing rocks up at a disc. It's it's a bummer. It's already a bummer that it's up there, and to take a stroke penalty on top of that is just shit. Yeah. I have a, a super awesome tool for when I get disc treed at my house, because uh, I, I, I live on a property that, that has enough space to actually throw... And I got a, a tool that, that the utility companies use to measure power lines. And it basically telescopes out to like t- 34 feet, I think. And that is an excellent tool. But it, you can't carry it on the course with no. you. And nor would you. But Right. But it, it gets them down real good. Right. That And then there's also my brother, who is a little tree climber. Oh, he's amazing. And, and he's, he's amazing, except... When we know he's been drinking and we're like, please don't die, please don't die, <laughs> please don't we're die. We're gonna stay down here and hopefully we can catch you and we don't die. Just please, just get in and come down. I, yes, please, please, say right. come down. Right, but, but basically, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the two meter rule just becomes insult injury. It it really does. It really does. How many um, times have you had something stuck in a tree and thrown enough rocks on like the second hole that you're just like, oh, my arm's dead. Yeah. And I need to finish this round, and it's already a crappy round because I got a four on that hole uh-huh. and I should have gotten a two because I couldn't fight through that tree. Yep. It's already a bummer of a day, and now my <clears throat> arms do do. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it really, the penalty should be enough that you have to fetch your disc out of a tree. Right. Or possibly lose it. You know, that is. Oh, yeah. Well, so. plus, yeah. Plus, you're already playing from Bad News Bears if you're up in a tree. Like, you're already in a, you're already kind of jaily, getting out straight down from your disc. It's not needed. So next time we play a two-meter rule tournament, if I get one stuck in a tree, I'm going to throw every disc I have at that, at that basket. <laughs> you're going to pull a Jake Palmer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Palmer that so good. But what, what if instead of throwing the basket, you just threw all your discs up in the tree? Like, like that to, is to, the worst idea to, I have ever heard in my life. I mean, if you're, it's about proving a point. You Listen, know, you I could, will be honest. I'm gonna here's here's my confession right now. I have definitely at once in my life, probably more than once, but not much more than that, 
uh, been the guy who throws a disc to get a disc down. Oh, no. And then got second said disc stuck in a tree. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Don't do that. Hey. Rook, rook pro, move. Pro tip. Rook move. Don't throw a disc to get a disc yeah. down. Oh, God. That's just that's a, that's a goose move. That is a goose move. All right. I think it's time that we talked about the Aussie Open. I'm excited about that. So, uh, we have been... I feel like we've talked about it on, on virtually every podcast. Aussie <laughs> like, Open's coming. It's, it's coming. There's it's coming. coming. We're going to talk about tournament. And we finally are on, on the verge of it. It It's not going to happen this, this weekend. It's the weekend after. So, it starts on the 26th of January. And uh, Perth, Australia is actually uh, about 16, 17 hours ahead of California. It's time travel distance. So, um, it'll really be starting... Pretty much on the twenty fifth for most of the people in the U S that are that are uh, paying attention to it, so kind of late at night on the on the twenty fifth, which is probably when we will be recording. Yeah, we'll probably be recording the next podcast. So we decided we want to do uh, our preview of the Australian Open here on this podcast and talk about it. One thing that that came down just coming up to it, uh, just a few of the kind of notable players. Simon Lazat, a few weeks back, and we mentioned on previous podcasts, uh, had already bowed out, um, citing that he wasn't quite physically ready coming back from his knee injury to play the tournament. Um, He's like, I can only throw 600 right now. Usually yeah. I throw seven. And and that's just not acceptable. So Right. Yeah. and uh, Which is a bummer. But I definitely <clears throat> want me some... Fully healthy Lazat. We're 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 all starving for some Lazat. Yeah. The disc golf world is starving for Lazat. We've had such great growth through 2016 to now of disc golf without this firm presence of Lazat. Like he is he is going to kickstart this already growing awesome sport. Yeah. If if you are new to disc golf, if you started playing and paying attention last year, and you don't really know about Lazat, where have you been? One. Two, dude is awesome. And so, like, the most entertaining. Without player. a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. He throws the craziest. Look up, talking about Study Ed Masters Cup. Go like two years back. Watch yourself some Lazat at De La Viega. It is mind blowing. It is amazing. Um, it makes you feel sad inside because you will never be able to do any of the things he does. Maybe not, yeah. Like throw a three hundred ninety foot Anheuser spike putter throw. Yeah, that's just mind blowing. I, I he does some incredible things that no one else even thinks to do, and and just has a ball doing it. He's just one of the the most exciting. Uh, has a ton of fun out there. It, kind of the epitome of what you kind of you know most fun wins type. Type person, he's got all the talent in the world, and he's just enjoying every second of it. So. And he's like what, like twenty three or something? Yeah, he's pretty young. Something gross, like incredibly young. Yeah. Anyways, he will be back. He won't be here. I, yeah. I had to digress just a little bit because Joe, I, Joe I misses love, some. I, I do. Yeah. Everyone, you do to everybody. I do. If you are I into do. disc golf, you miss Lazan. I do. And another uh, notable back out that earlier this week, uh, actually, I think today. Um, which is which is Wednesday the seventeenth or eighteenth? I think it's eighteenth. Whatever it is, Wednesday. whatever it is. Um, but uh, Feldberg, uh, Dave Feldberg, who is also coming back from an, from an injury, he had surgery on his back to fuse. I think a couple of vertebrae. Like right, spinal. I didn't. I I knew he was out with injury, and it wasn't till today that I realized what 
yeah. was. So, but he didn't cite injury as as a reason for not going to to Australia. He cited financial reasons, meaning that his the plane flight to get out there was going to be like eighteen hundred dollars, and that that. Uh, he the cash out he would he would have gotten with his placement last year was like fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred. Yeah, takeaway transportation <clears throat> hotels mm-hmm. makes incredible just, sense. Yeah, and and just kind of said you know look this does I'm not there's the odds that I will recoup the amount of money I'll spend to do this is are not good and I'm not going right. to go. And so, then ultimately he did say like I'm not hundred percent. Yeah. He did. You know, the flight is going to kick my ass in itself. Yep. And I think even if you're not injured, well, I guess. And you have to acclimate. I'm, a, I'm like a broken old man. So for me, just thinking about a 14-hour flight just Dude, makes me sucks. sore. I've been to Australia twice, and, and that, that plane flight sucks. It really sucks. And I, I'm, I do pretty well on planes. I can fall asleep easy on planes. Mm-hmm. I like and that's because you're hammered i I wasn't even hammered those two times (laughs) i I had like 14 beers one 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 awesome thing about flights to australia is most of the flights that you take you get on there and and uh they have free beer and wine what yeah no joke yeah i never knew that yeah yeah we'll see but i've flown a couple of different airlines different airline each time and the the wine was free the beer was free um, and you know, unless you're being a jerk hole that they're, they pretty much let you go. And that's fine. And, and it's 18 years old because that's what the law is in Australia. Well, I have a problem. So I have a problem and you know, my problem. Yeah, I do. Which would make said flight a little tough. Yeah. Joe has to pee like every 45 seconds. Yeah. So, like if, if I'm, if I'm like a child's you, bladder, uh, right. All you could drink beer on a 14 hour flight. Like I should just have them bring me beer to the bathroom so here was the thing when i did it i i basically each of the flights were were uh you know it's 14 hours so you're at some point you're gonna need to sleep but i basically went with the strategy of knocking myself out for the first part of it and you know i was just it was late at night and i got on the flight and i slept pretty well i slept for the first hour first like eight hours um and then you wake up and you're like i have a full day oh my god i still have a six hour flight left like, I still have, like, going across the United States. Oh, that's to, rough. To go. And you're just like, oh, my God. This takes so long. I can't even, you know, for an athlete. And then you get there, 16-hour time difference. Or 19, I can't remember. I think Perth is 16 uh, different from, from California. So, Australia is huge. So, there's there's multiple totally. different time zones. But Anyways, um, if, if you are recovering or close to being recovered from fused vertebrae yeah. that's that's all bad news no thank you like my body is not amazing and yeah. i'm not in great shape and i already could tell you right now like a four hour fight for me yeah. i need to get up and move around and i'm starting to get off and be like ooh, yeah my knees like i've driven uh we're in california so a drive cross state could easily be like a nine ten hour drive yeah or longer, actually, because we're not even at the northernmost point. But yeah. all my family's in California. I've done seven, eight-hour drives multiple times and been, like, ruined <laughs> on the other side. I've been like, oh, my knees are jacked. Like, I just need to lay down. I can't deal with this. Uh, and I've done flights that are, like, three or four hours. And just my knees being up 
is is bad. Even when I'm asleep, like I'll wake up and be like, oh, yeah, my legs feel jacked and I don't feel good. I don't like this. Basically, I'm a broken old man, so it's different. But the flight mixed with injury, mixed with cost, all that. I'm 100% supportive of Felger yeah. being like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on this. So the next big scare that we had was that Paul Macbeth on Smashbox's podcast the other day mentioned. What? What's that? It's a it's a, another disc golf podcast. What? Uh, yeah, it, there's more than one, not just us out there. Um, you know, I, we've got some competition, I guess. I guess we need to. Uh... <laughs> and they interviewed Paul Macbeth. I don't know how they arranged that. Well, listen, we just don't have guests. That's like our thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess we had one guest who was just our buddy who plays disc golf, kind of. I mean, I've been emailing and sending letters to Paul every day for the last six years. I have no idea yeah, why. Yeah, but those are just pictures of you holding his discs and wearing his clothes. <laughs> I'm glad you said discs. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really what it is. Like, you're not asking to be on the podcast. You're like, hey, look, I got Adidas pants. I'm starting to Hey, re- look, I have McPro Aviars. And he's like cool guy i'm starting to realize why this may not have worked out how i thought it would uh, originally okay. will, you, will you be my best friend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, paul Macbeth brought up that because of flight issues that he was not going he was going to withdraw and not going right, to make it right because there was like some random uh <clears throat> issue with the plane and he was seemed- routed through dubai and there was only one flight at a time going down to perth and they were all full and he was gonna. Well, it was like the, there was a plane that had like the. He had plane. You got the on cabinets it. were broken or some random thing, yeah. and it was. Yeah. It, but um, basically, what it amounted to was he wasn't going at the current state of it. He wasn't going to get to Australia in time to acclimate and get ready to play the tournament. So he said he was going to withdraw, and at which point, uh, UC Moresma, I assume. Uh, it, they said they communicated together, and he said he was going to do whatever he could to get him there. And so I'm, I'm guessing that UC was like, you know, would it help if I gave you some cash from my wallet when you arrive? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, what if I have a hyperbaric chamber ready for you, like just to automatically acclimate? Please, please, Paul Macbeth, do not duck out of my my uh, first disc golf world tour event of the season where I need you to be there because you're the most famous disc golfer in the whole world. And <laughs> please, 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 <laughs> please, please, please. I'll do, I'll do anything. And, uh, and do, you so, think, do you think he was like, listen, Paul, I know this is out of character. I know this is rough. And I know this is going to throw off your entire <laughs> life. But what I need you to do, get the little mini bottles of vodka, <laughs> knock down like six of them, and you will sleep the entire time. Oh, God. You won't know what's going on. You will acclimate instantly because your body won't even know you left. I don't think that's how it works at all. I don't think that's... So, but in any case, it, moments after that, within 24 hours of, of that announcement, it was reversed and he got a new flight that was cheaper than the original. He was flying through San Francisco and, and heading out uh, to Australia. So, he will be part of it, which, thank goodness, now we don't have to change our picks uh, right, but I kind of feel like I should, but I'm not going to. Yeah, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so that that was great news. I I think part of this, you know, the disc golf world tour is is has been excellent for a lot of reasons, and and I think they're working on changing just like all the other tours to optimize it for the most viewers and the most interest in the sport. But I think. 
just like we talked about earlier about the PGA throwing more money at those national tour events to get the best players, ultimately, your tournament is about getting all those best players. And if you can't get everyone to be there because it's in Australia or it's in Konopiste and, and all these places where you can't get the good pronunciation, the, yeah. the, the full, uh, the full arsenal of players because of the cost concerns, you know, I know it's the disc golf world tour and that's what he wants it to be, but maybe that's not the best strategy. I, I don't know. It, it just, well, or you just, you need to throw cash like, yeah. and that's fine. And, and I understand it, especially I, like when you're in these foreign places, like when you're in the Czech Republic, this golf in Europe and and whatnot is is bigger than it is here. Yeah. So why not do it? You know, maybe maybe it was straight up like, hey, yeah. I, I'll guarantee you like second place mm-hmm. purse money just to come. Yeah. And then we'll roll. Yeah. I think I think there's a. I, I don't think it's I don't a slippery think, slope. Yeah. I don't. And I'm not saying it's that epic yeah. at all. But you got to make it worth the while. But you still. You need. I mean, I guess there will be a point. Hopefully, as as we grow, like if you look at like the PGA Tour, like uh, ball golf, mm-hmm. a lot of it is is people playing for sponsorship and mm-hmm. being like number one. Well, in those tournaments that are overseas in Dubai, these big players go because they get paid a lot of money to do Ex- it. Exactly, that's like, my point. That you they get paid up. money just to show up. Yeah, like getting first place isn't. Their driving factor. They're not like I need mm-hmm. first because I need to recoup my money. Yeah. They're like I'm going to make my money and I want to get first because I'm the best. Yeah. And I want people to know I'm the best. And I think that's the ultimate move disc golf needs to get to. And that's years down the line. That's yeah. that's I far out. I, my point wasn't so much that I was I was mostly just, I know I, I that was me yeah. that was me going on weird. I was to. just mostly thinking about kind of the long term viability of the disc golf world tour and. Does it make sense to to rely on these these disc golfers that don't make a ton of money? These best players in in the world that still aren't paid like like the elite athletes that they are to bend over backwards and lose money to go to a tournament that's that's far away. And I think that things like what Feldberg said and and Paul McBeth who was ready to back out of it because the the flight wasn't going to work out and. Stuff like that shouldn't happen. No, it shouldn't. But I, but I'm not saying that's that's grounds for them moving everything to the states. I think yeah. it's more grounds to like there needs say, to be hey, you know what? More incentive. You come here, like your hotel, your transportation, mm-hmm. your meals. Like we'll cover that. Here's the package. Like you're to... good. Hey, you could win some money. You could, you know, worst case scenario, you uh, you're even. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you break even and you had a cool trip to Australia or Europe. And whatever, and I think, you know, there's enough top tier talent that'll move that way, and it's you know, yeah, that ultimately becomes the reason that you put in so much effort and you try so hard and you play your best is to be that like top tier that yeah. that gets to go play for free basically. And and we fully understand that the disc golf world tour it does not have all the resources in the world totally. and that they can't afford to to pay everyone that that what they want, but. I just my point was mostly that maybe if you can't do that, you probably shouldn't be scheduling all half of these events in places that are hard for the best talent to get True. to. If your goal is to True. have this elite world tour 
schedule with with all the best players and yet there's virtually no incentive for players to go to three of the six stops or something like that because the odds of them actually making money are extremely slim unless they're a a player that has uh you know expenses covered by the company of which there are very few i I just think that maybe maybe some of that needs to be refocused and and right no and and just looked at it i don't i don't think i'm not saying that the uc has to foot the bill for for everybody to make it work i just think he has to kind of reevaluate and i know he wants to make it a world tour and a and a world event but really what we want to see everyone all over the world is the best players competing on the best courses so so i think what what you're saying or or what i'm kind of taking as is um he kind of went in the opposite direction mm-hmm. like i feel like it's it's you grow to that point yeah like it, like what he's doing now, what Disc Golf World Tour is doing now, maybe is like a few years ahead of where it should be. I think that's I like think that so. should be the goal. Yeah, that should be the goal. Is hey, we've got the sponsorship, we're making money, we got this, and now we can <clears throat> now we can spread out and do what yeah what we want it to be. Um, but let's pump the brakes a little bit and make yeah. sure. I mean, I would hate it. It's a it's it's been well produced and it's it, a good event, a good set of events and uh you know, they've introduced their FPO division, which is a a major improvement to to last year, but I would hate to see it flame out just because they don't get the all the players that they're looking for in, in each of these events for financial reasons. Right. So, um and you know, money is a, a huge part of every single one of these these events and the players that go to them so i don't know maybe it's it's uh, just kind of like a stay the course and and as the sport grows this will get better and the and you know most of the top tier talent and and to to his benefit or to his um um to his credit paul mcbeth is enough to watch any tournament oh like, yeah like paul mcbeth versus you know my trash cans i'm going to watch it because Paul Macbeth right. is the best player in the world, and even if it's people that are completely incapable of throwing a disc, I'm going to watch Paul Macbeth play this great course. So, it really, uh, champs versus champs. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there's more to it than that. So, for champs versus champs. Anyways, good good on UC for recognizing that and getting on the phone and doing whatever he did to make sure Paul got there because. He needs Paul Macbeth to be there. You know, there's no there's no Nate Sexton. Well, they also put together no Simon Lazat. Right, but there was also the big the big piece that came out on Facebook like three days ago was the Supercard. Yeah, which was based around Paul Macbeth. Mm-hmm. You know, it was vote for who you think should be on this Supercard with Paul Macbeth. So yeah. when your 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 guy, your mainstay, there's no votes. Like he's yep. automatically like the head of your main card. Is like, hey, I can't make it. This is jacked. Yeah, you, you gotta make sure. Yeah, that guy is there. So I'm glad they did that, and and maybe that's the the real thing is that, that he wants to involve the other countries of the world in disc golf and focus on worldwide disc golf. And as long as you get Paul McBeth to every one of these events, you're gonna be fine. And Discmania has enough connections with Innova that I think that they can make that happen. Right. And there's there's the argument like who's the best whatever like Waisaki Macbeth whatever but I'll tell you right now hands down the cash cow in the sense of marketing and the face of disc golf is Paul Macbeth is Paul Macbeth yes I one hundred percent agree 
So, going into to this tournament, uh, Australia is warm. And uh, we, I'm not sure what the... Uh, I haven't looked completely as to what the weather forecast was, but the Australian... I mean, it was 100 plus last year. 100 plus last year, so... With gross humidity. <laughs> like, I, I remember last year rolling into this, Macbeth was like, yeah, I have my heaters up and I wear like five layers when, you know, for like the two months of him practicing in his like combine purely to get ready for this tournament. It's going to be gross. Yeah. it So... Uh, and long travel players acclimating to, to different seasons and, and time zone, like time there's zones. lots of big, so that'll be interesting. But so we have Paul McBeth is there at rated at 1051. We have Ricky Wysocki just behind him at 1049 in player rating. And then we have, uh, Manabu Kajiyama, who is the Japanese player that you mentioned mm-hmm. before, who has a 1029 rating. Also, at that same 1029 rating, we have uh, Nico Instagram Rage Locastro. <laughs> that was Robin, not Joe. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nico. Uh, and then we have Eagle McMahon coming in at a rating of 1025. Jeremy Colling right after him at a rating of 1024. We have Philo Brackley. What? I totally didn't even realize. I looked at this earlier. Philo's playing. I'm so pumped. Philo is playing. At 10.18, we have Greg Barsby at 10.16. Um, pump Barsby's getting out too. Hell yeah. We have Avery Jenkins at 10.10. So yep. uh, apparently Avery will be playing rather than uh, commentating during the I rounds. I want him to do both. I want yeah. him to just like jump on the mic and then get out and I'm, jump on the mic. I'm, I bet it happens. I'm sure uh, he'll speak on the mic. And then yeah. we have uh, Passy Koivu at 10,008. Uh, and that is the thousand rated players that will be at this tournament. Currently, thousand rated players. Um, we also have, uh, uh, in terms of other notable players, um, we have uh, Jordan Wheeler, who is an Australian player that we we've, we've heard a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a, a fairly high, highly rated uh, Australian player, and. Um, has had I saw a nice push for him to to join that supercar that you talked right. about on on Facebook. So we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. Um, a lot most of the other players that that are on here are not household disc golf right. names. Right. So Felberg uh, took himself out, and so did Devin Owens. Yes. Yeah. And that kind of rounds out the like the, the and names. Nate Sexton is not there. Nate Sexton, uh, his wife is pregnant. And um, so I, I assume right. we're going to see a reduced Nate Sexton tour schedule this year based on the fact that I have two children and I know how that goes. Yeah, so. I have one and I, I know how it goes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit hard to do everything you did before when, when suddenly yes. you're... Or, taking... or even a portion of what you did <laughs> Yeah. So without further ado, I think it's time that we did some picks. Yeah. We have, and we should mention, we did it last year. We're going to do it again this year. But the Disc Golf Podcast, Skip Ace, yep. Fantasy Disc Golf League, SkipAce.com. If you go to SkipAce.com and make an account there, we have a Disc Golf Podcast League that's listed on there. The password is DEER. D-E-E-R. As in disc and beer. Yep. Um, and it, you can go on there, log in, compete against us, compete against other listeners, uh, and the the winner last year didn't come forward. I don't think. At least I, I couldn't find them. But uh, I told the the people 
out there that I would die a disc for them. Right. To so whoever you have a, wins. A, a chance so. of getting a custom Robin die disc if you win it at, this year. At my discretion as to what that die is, I have no idea. It'll be an eggplant. Yeah, it could be. Could be. I mean, eggplants are cool. Yeah. Grilled eggplants, great. I love that. It's, it's like, it's eggplant, except you barbecue it. And it yeah. Tastes, it tastes good. Anyways, back to the Australian Open and our picks. I, I quickly, on my phone, looked up. It's not going to be quite as hot as last year. Oh, that's good. So it's going to be about 92 degrees, 96 on the first day of uh, Wednesday. The... With like 90% humidity. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, I didn't, you know, I didn't look at the humidity. But um, it's going to be gross. It probably will be humid because it, it was last time, so I would assume so. But not quite. It was, it was over 100 degrees Fahrenheit last time. So we are going to do our picks. Since I beat you in total points last year <sighs> in the Disc Golf Podcast Skip Ace League, okay. I'm going to go first, and we go. Are we? We're starting fourth place this time, right? Or, or we do third, and then we have a bonus. Third, pick. and we'll say our bonus, which is the fourth. Okay, so in third place, I'm going to take Eagle McMahon. Who? Uh, okay, that's who I was going to take. But I will be different, and I will take newly sponsored by Innova player Jeremy Cullen. Okay, fair enough. Uh, in in second place, I'm going to take Ricky Wysocki. Oh, you're a jerk. You, I guarantee, have the exact same picks that I put into Skip Ace. So, and now you're going to have to change your so skip So now in second place, I will take Paul McBeth. All right. And in first place, I'm taking Paul McBeth. And I'll take Ricky Wysocki. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, my bonus pick is going to be Coley. My bonus pick will be McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first tournament of the year, so this is fine. There will be a point that happened last year, too, where we might have the same picks, and that's Okay. For me, not for Robin. When Joe finally gives in and and is lost so many times in a row that he has to copy my picks in order to finally get. By the way, I just want to point out, Eagle McMahon is my bonus pick purely because Nate Doss is not playing this tournament. Eagle McMahon could win this thing without a doubt. Without a doubt, he's he's probably been playing more disc golf than the others competitively in in the last few Mm -hmm. months. Um, But once again, Nate Doss is my perpetual bonus pick, and he's just not in this tournament. Uh, at the same time, Philo is also someone who could yeah could do absolutely. work. Absolutely, absolutely. You know who I'd love to see uh, be in the top three? Nico Castro. I mean, that'd be cool. I'll say Avery Jenkins. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, last year we actually just kind of talked about it with Sexton. He had himself a child, so now he's kind of out of that haze where he's probably sleeping somewhat now. Probably. I'd I'd love to see him. Yeah. Do some work. I agree. I I would love to. Uh, it would be great to see. But also, I know, fully support Robin's picks, and if they win, it's like a double win for me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> points are points are points. Whatever. We'll see how it goes down. Big jerk. So uh, check out skipbase.com. It's cool. It's fantasy disc golf. I, I mean, what else can you say? Right. If you like fantasy sports, just remember and, to put and, your picks in. Yeah, remember to put your picks in in time. Because I'm pretty positive. Uh, if you went through the picks from our podcast, I would have won points. I just missed like two full tournaments that I put nobody in. Uh, you know what they say about excuses, Joe. 
they're valid and make sense? No, they're they're just like assholes. Every everybody's got them. So you know, maybe just take care of business, put your picks in, and then you won't have to whine about it. Or maybe you will anyway. You'll come up with some other thing like Robin stole my picks. Blah blah blah. I mean, you did multiple times. You definitely did multiple times. Go back to the podcast multiple times. Anyways. I can already tell. It's going to be a beautiful 2017 with our disc golf Ooh, picks. You know what we're going to do next week? Much contention. Next week, prop bets. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Well, I'm That'll excited. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for... Because I'm like the prop bet winner. Yeah, that's true. I A lot of shame. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like I won more prop bets, but more so I won the best prop bet. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. My well, life was so What are you, you going to drink this year? I, you know, I think this is a great time to transition directly <laughs> to our deer review, which our disc and beer pairing, our world-famous disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Today, we have the Discraft Challenger, which is a putter, along with Alpha Centauri, by Hot Valley Brewing Company, and uh, what do you want to start with, Joe? Do you want to start Let's with... Let's start with the beer. The beer? Okay, we can do that. So, uh, Alpha Centauri is a double IPA, an imperial IPA. It is 9% alcohol. It is very hoppy, as yeah. you know most uh, imperial IPAs are. Um, it's, it's pretty forward right away with that hop flavor, and yep. kind of like a, I don't know... A fruity kind of tropical flavor mm-hmm. almost to it. And then finishes very dry. Dry and like super bitter. Yeah. It, the I Let me see. Where's, if the if I got the IBUs on here. So 100 IBUs. So yeah, it's it's up there. In, in, it is. In it the is, but it's like, it's totally on the back end. It's in the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Like you do definitely get like the super hoppy, fruity, like woo. Yep. And yep. I, I love them hops. And then it's like, hey, if you weren't paying attention, I'm also bitter. And dry. And really bitter and dry. Yeah. So, really very clean Imperial IPA. Um, you know, packs a punch on the, on the alcohol as well. And, you know, that bitter uh, hop flavor really sticks with it. I mean, the aftertaste it does. holds on for, you know, a couple of minutes. It does. And it's not super boozy. No. No, like, not at all. Like, that 9%, you, you don't realize that. It's... Um, I think that kind of big flavor up front kind of takes knocks out that that boozy possibility or flavor. Yeah. Uh, so we paired these two together because uh, one the the Challenger, which we're we're gonna say is the the space shuttle Challenger, and then Alpha Centauri, which I believe is a star, right? It is. Or it like is a, a series of stars. I think it's a star. Oh, I think it's a star. I, I think so. Man, our our space knowledge is getting shredded. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. Right P- feel free uh, to correct us. I guess rocket scientists of the world, please let us know whether a uh, the Challenger was indeed a space shuttle, and b if Alpha Centauri is one star or or you know is that that's not what you got your doctorate in? No, definitely not. <laughs> um, you know, I I definitely slept through my space classes. I took I took a class I took an astronomy class yeah took an astronomy class and I was like this is way different than I thought it would you know I think a lot more people would take astronomy if they just called it like space 101 be like yeah right like stars go fast I feel like is like that's like <laughs> what it should be because I remember doing a lot of math about like 
how fast stars were moving through the sky based on like different pictures and stuff. That or if Morgan Freeman narrated it. Oh, I'm just down. In general, I think more classes would be attended if if it was guaranteed that some part of it was going to be narrated by Morgan Freeman. Yeah. No, I'm 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 super down. Yeah. Uh so no, it's <laughs> anyways, moving forward. It's it's a great beer. It is. Uh, terrific. So Hot Valley Brewing Company, which is out <laughs> if y'all of didn't know, uh, Portland, uh, I believe, Oregon. We, we like ourselves some IPAs. Yes. Uh, Eugene, Oregon. Sorry. I'm sorry, Eugene, Oregon, for lumping you into Portland. I'm sure. Yeah, a jerk. I'm sure they're, <laughs> I'm sure that they're very upset. Jerk. But, uh, you know, terrific beer. Has a has a cool kind of, you know, uh, so ad- we're drinking, Atomy looking logo. And we're drinking it uh, in the 22-ounce bottle, but they also can it, which is a beautiful thing, and we are... Huge proponents of cans. Which is going to come in later for the actual uh, determination on whether this beer come in come to the course with us. The cans are a huge factor. For you, it may. Oh, okay. For you, it may. Oh, fine. Uh, but no, I, I dig it. Like, it's it's big hop forward, which is my jam. Mm-hmm. More hops, the better. I like the bitter... The bitter goes along with the flavor. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I don't like bitters when it's like it's just bitter to be bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess actually the bitter goes with the alcohol. Yeah. Like with when there's a 9% it's got a bitter I'm in. If I'm drinking like a, a 4% and it's super bitter, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Big hops, nice fruity, fresh. Got some bitters, it's dry, but not like overwhelmingly dry. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Why don't you tell us about the disc? All right, so the uh, Discraft Challenger, which is a two-speed, three-glide, zero-turn, and two-fade putter. Um, it has kind of like a m- micro-bead. Like super-duper micro-bead. Yeah, it, it's there, but it's not a huge bead on on the bottom end of it. Um, pretty rounded nose, kind of almost flat. Uh, at kind of a blunt blunted rounded nose to it mm-hmm. um and then the beveled edge down to the bead fairly fairly kind of deep rimmed putter yeah um it is the one i'm holding is jawbreaker i also have a ti challenger which i have unfortunately not thrown and the reason i have not thrown it is because nate doss's signature is on it yep and i just I, I really want to throw it but at the same time it's I, pretty i feel like um nate doss has a really nice signature and I just can't do it. So, um, I, I would imagine that the TI version is significantly more stable than the Jawbreaker uh, version. Which, Jawbreaker Plastic, if you're not familiar with it, gets its name because it looks like a Jawbreaker. Mm-hmm. It has uh, kind of that marbled color to it with a bunch of different... looks like a, you know, like a pan of melted crayons essentially like in the coolest way possible <laughs> yeah so you got a, a a lot of different color it's kind of almost got like a chalky um uh chalky appearance to the to the it's plastic kind of like a chalky feel too yeah it's tacky uh, uh, kind of nice kind of sticky feel has some softness to it but but still a fairly firm disc overall you know you're not going to fold it in half or anything like that um but you still get kind of a a a soft edge to the plastic mm-hmm. um now throwing it so just like we mentioned this with every time we we review a putter we review a putter from a throwing standpoint um we we don't typically review the putters from a putting standpoint because everybody putts differently right and putting inside the circle is about feel and about 
you know, how you, whether you're a spin putter or a push putter or a straddle putter or whether you have a standard staggered stance or, or whatever it is, you know, I, I don't think us telling you, oh, yeah, I was able to throw it straight at a basket from 25 feet right. helps. So I mean, every putt within 10 feet with this yeah, putter. Yeah, and on a podcast especially. So uh, we'll tell you about the feel of it, which we hope helps for, for that sort of thing, telling you about the, the fact that it's got a little kind of micro bead and it's fairly deep-rimmed, um, things like that that can help you to, to think whether it would work for you and the putters that you use and like, whether those characteristics are the same. Right. But we, we – Review the actual flight as though we're driving with it because that'll tell you what this disc does. By the way, out in the field. if you don't drive putters, you need to start driving putters. Yeah. So the the Discraft Challenger, when I first read about it and uh, and decided to get one, I was expecting a more stable disc than I actually got in the field. When I threw it out in the field, uh, driving with it. I was getting a, a little bit of flip, a little bit of turn, uh, you know, not turning over and, and dumping off, but it certainly was not uh, in what I would consider to be a very overstable putter. Uh, I would even say that on the, the speed or on the turn, it, it's probably more of a minus one than a zero. Um, and maybe that's the jawbreaker plastic. Maybe the TI versions are a bit more overstable. But I was really getting, you know, pretty straight lines with it, and and even a little bit of turn when when really bringing it up to full power. Um, it, you know, if I driving it out to to about 250 feet, it was definitely turning at that distance. So um, that that I think would be my only argument with the with the the rating. I think the speed is fine. Um, the the glide. Uh, you know, maybe it's a tad higher than than three, but I, I think that's that's pretty close. Uh, this I I like the feel of it, and I did putt with it too, and I and I think it would makes a great kind of in the circle putter if you like the feel. And the Jawbreaker plastic seems like it would stick nicely. So that that was my my impression of the the Challenger. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely agree. Uh, it has it does have that turn. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful, nice, slow turn. Yeah, I agree. It it didn't dump. It didn't automatically go to the right. You just rip this thing out flat, nice and hard, and it would just be a nice, slow glide to the right. And I feel like even your Comet like went to the right even more than this. Mm-hmm. It was it was a slight, clean right turn, no fade. So I guess that would be my. Uh, argument to like the the, the two, two fade. fade. I would almost say um, if we took the turn down to minus one, I would probably even call the fade one. Mm-hmm. They're really. I don't think actually I saw any fade on unless I threw it with hyzer. Yeah, I think every time I threw it flat, it slowly moved to the right and just kind of glided down to the ground, nice and clean, super predictable. I do think it's definitely a touch putter if you're if you're going to be driving it. It's it's definitely one of those those discs that uh, we talk about in this this podcast here and there, that if you're throwing it and you say it's super unpredictable, like someone goes right, someone goes left, that's mm-hmm. that's on you. So so I want to bring up something about this, which is the what basically what you were just talking about, which is the flight numbers for the P two. And, I'm seeing that, okay. And and the how it misled me because when I saw the flight numbers for the Challenger, 
I was thinking, oh, you know, I throw P2s, that's very similar numbers to them, and, you know, this is going to be an overstable putter. So the P2 is a speed 2, a glide of 3, a turn of 0, and a fade of 1 instead of instead of 2. And these those two discs could not be more different in They're the field. They're totally and different. We say it again, you know, flight numbers not, you know, meaning anything. We know that, but still you look at it for a first impression. And use it for reference. Things and, like and that. Exactly. Like Robin saw this and said, oh, it's probably kind of like stable or stable. It's similar numbers. Um, using it as reference, no. Yeah. No. Uh, this this For me, this flight path is... Like I just, I've said it multiple times, a slow right turn. Yeah. And the most beautiful, like, consistent, awesome way, you just rip it out flat, it'll slowly turn to the right, and just lay there. There's there's not really any fade when you're ripping it. I, I mean, I really dug the flight. I, I did. It, it, uh, it was super cool. Mm-hmm. I no, I, I realized, and it's like both of us got in the field and threw it for, for the first time, and I think it probably took me four or five throws with it to say, okay, that's really how it goes. I really the first few times, in my mind, was throwing it on Anheuser, and I was like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just not throwing it right. Let me keep this going, and by the fourth time, I was like, there's, there's no way. I'm throwing it clean. It's slowly turning over. I'm into it, and and like Robin said, it could totally be the Jawbreaker Plaza this is the only challenge we've thrown, but it was fresh, so yep. I don't know if that means Unthrown. anything. And to be fair, Discraft does not use the traditional flight numbers that that we're talking about. We pulled those from InfiniteDisc.com. Um, Discraft uses a single number on their on their right. flight rating, so they list it as a 1.0, but they do call it an overstable uh, putter. Wow, um, and and. I, Maybe some of the other versions are more overstable than this, but I, I certainly wouldn't. I, I think I would call it just stable to, to yeah. you know. Like, for, for so for reference, uh, I think two episodes ago, maybe three, we did uh, the Pure. Mm-hmm. I think the Pure is, is less stable. Yes. I think definitely. the Pure that we threw turns over a lot more, but it's still kind of in that world. Now, I have a Gold Line Pure now, which is more stable. Which, okay, yeah, no, totally. Um, um, which makes sense. So it totally could be Jawbreaker, and, and Jawbreaker could be just some uh, a plastic that is kind of known for that, like being a little less stable. With that said, I I don't really feel like I want a more stable version yeah, of this Yeah, I, I really like I it. I really enjoy that flight line. I think it's really clean. Um I mean, it's probably from release to like that 250, a total of 15, 20 feet to the right. Like, yeah. it's not a huge turn. No, no definitely it's, not. It's, and I think if I wasn't trying to kind of, quote unquote, rip it out there or bomb it out there, you probably could get like a 50, 60% power, beautiful, just straight laser mm-hmm. that lays straight down. Probably like 180 or something like that, I would say. This would yeah. be a good... Even, good I think clip. you could stretch it out further than that. Yeah, I think that's true. And you could probably, you know, and you can get it to flip up a little bit too. So you probably could rip it on a, a really slight hyzer and get kind of a straight throw mm-hmm. on it. Um, I I enjoyed it. So yeah, I, me too. You know, if there is a, a stable, you know, and granted we have these TIs that who knows if we'll ever throw. If they're more stable, I don't really think I want that. 
I, I really and the I think the plastic is great. Just in general, it it seems tough yet also pliable and and sticky. Mm-hmm. So I I really I think the Jawbreaker plastic is is a hit for Discraft. I think yeah. we'll we'll be seeing more of it. Totally. So I think it's time to have verdict, Joe. Yeah. Um, personally, for me, I will absolutely bag the beer. Yeah. In either its can form or well, I thought you 20, said it's like a big. It's well, the can form is 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 huge for it. Because one, you know, maybe you don't feel like a full twenty-two ounce, nine percent beer. That's true. That um, is very true. Okay. You know, maybe, okay. Maybe, Touché. Maybe you not you don't have that in you, but and so you take the can. But the twenty-two also uh, is a perfect kind of. I like the twenty-two for for disc golf round. It's a perfect amount of beer. Right. For, and as a proponent a of a round. bottle keeper, yeah, uh, I tend to go to the bottles. Yeah. So and, and I'll say I have brought it out on the course before. Yeah. So. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Now the the challenger, uh, I'm not going to bag the challenger. No, uh, I do like it. Uh, the plastic, particularly, I'm very interested to check out other Jawbreaker discs um, that the Discraft has put out because I really do like it. But the challenger, I've got other discs that, that fill that slot currently, and it, it, I think I was a little bit thrown off by what I was expecting it to be. Right, without a doubt, and I think we both. So the way it came about is, is we looked on it online and, and saw it was cool. But also when Robin bought the, the Nate Doss ones, I think we both put them in our hands and went, ooh, yeah. that feels really nice. I really want to throw it. I'm not going to throw this one. So Robin bought this. And I think we both kind of felt it was going to be this overstable thing. And it had this nice slow right turn. Like there is a place for it. I can't think of a hole that I would throw it on or I don't have something that would be comparable. So I won't bag it either, but it feels great. It looks great. I'm sure, uh, you know, as we say all the time, if, if you want to stay true to only one brand, if you are a Discraft person. I think you got to have a challenge. you got to have a challenge. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. It's, it's a great disc. But I, I won't bag it either. Yeah. And like I already said, I have bagged and probably will again in the future bag an Alpha Centauri. It's a great beer. Yeah. All right. What's the verdict? So the verdict is um, like when you find out that Paul McBeth is like, I'm not going to play in the Aussie Open. And I knew you're you like, were going to. And you're like, oh, that sucks. And then he's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to go play in that tournament. And then you feel a little bit warmer inside. There you go. That sounds perfect. So it's the one for two. First plane flight didn't work. Second plane flight but did. But we'll make it happen. UC Maresma called, and it's all good. And, uh... Yep. And, and everyone's happy. Welcome to the Aussie Open. Hell yeah. <laughs> perfect. Well, that is it for this episode, number 47 of this the Disc Golf Podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out. We have... We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We also have Slack, which is a an app that you can get, which is a communication app, a chat app. And if you send us an email at thediscgolfpodcast at gmail.com for an invite, we will send you an invite. All we need is your email address, and we'll shoot it out to you, and you can join us and chat with tons of other Disc Golf Podcast listeners along with us. We're there all the time, and uh, it's a really great place. we got custom Disc Golf Emoji. We got people throwing up pictures of their tournaments, people throwing news in there all the time. It's a good way to keep up. So You can connect with Robin and like send him stuff and he might diet for you and send it back. And that that has been known to happen. 
uh, on on a couple of different occasions. So, uh, Joe, tell them how to find us on all of our social media. Guys. You can find us on Twitter at the Disc Pod. We are on Instagram at the Disc Golf Podcast, Facebook.com slash the Disc Golf Podcast. Like Robin said, we're on uh, Stitcher and iTunes and Slack. It's all good times. Drop us a line if you want, just through our email address, the Disc Golf Podcast at gmail.com. You can also. And Panda, I'm talking to you right now. Now is the time for Panda's picks. But you all other listeners can also give us a ring on the Raptor range, which is 707-939-5476. That's our dedicated phone line for this disc golf podcast. Have fun. Let us know what's up. So, in the meantime, it's raining out here in California. Weirdly, it's like all of a sudden we're in a tropical rainforest as opposed to the, the freaking desert that it's been for the last right. five years. But uh, hopefully you'll be able to get out there and play some disc golf. I know we got snow everywhere and weather everywhere. But have a great weekend. We're looking forward to the Aussie Open. Hopefully you can get out there and throw stuff at stuff. <laughs>